<clears throat> don't move your feet and just kind of move to this side. And now move to this side. Let's just do that a couple of times. I'm teaching you a spiritual lesson here. There's terminology in archery that is called sympathetic vibration. And it means when an arrow flies and it strikes the mark, dead center, and it's true, the other arrows begin to move with the same vibration of that arrow. And it, they, everything on the board begins to shift and move. And I believe that that's what God has for us as a body today. I believe his word wants to strike a mark and he wants us as a body to grab hold of it and begin to move in sympathetic vibration, lining up with what he has for us. Are you willing to go there with me today? Amen, amen. And I have one more thing while you're standing there. When the children or the young people were sitting in the floor over here, I thought, oh, I was looking at them and I thought, oh, that's just, that, um, um, oh, what is the little Ville girl? She was sitting, uh, huh? Chanel? was sitting there with anticipation on her face, and I thought, oh, God, that we could all lean in, that we could all do that. So I'm just going to put this out here. Nobody has to do it. But if you are a person who walked into this room going, God, I need direction from you. God, I know that you're going to use me. God, I know that there's a calling on my life. God, I want to lean into you. I want to offer you the option of sitting in the floor. I know it's probably going to be a young people, per, uh, young people kind of thing. The rest of us are pro would kind of just sit with our legs out to the side because I want you to anticipate what God has for you this morning. Amen? Ah, oh, Jesus. And my question to Pastor Ronnie is, what are you going to do with all of these when God starts moving? What am I going to do with them? I'm going to release them into your care. <laughs> that, that is the beauty of the word assistant. Ah, <laughs> oh, guys, God has something for us today. He has some instruction. Well, look at you guys. Aren't you brave? <laughs> But at the end, in the, in, in, the, in the interest of kindness, everyone come and lend a hand to anyone who might need help out of the floor. Oh, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it is alive and it is active. And Father, you are sending your word with a purpose this morning. Father, I look around and I see these hungry hearts. God, I see these that are, that are willing to take a step and to become uncomfortable, Father, just so they can draw close to you, Father. So, Father, for those today, I'm asking for a special anointing. Father, that their hearts would be wide open and that their spirits would just explode and expand in revelation. Father, you said we can ask you for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And, Father, we receive that in this room today, God. Reveal your truth to us today, God. Father, we're going to run after you. We are coming after you, Father. Father, let everything that is of me fall and all that is of you stand. And they all said, Amen. Amen. And I know that you're comfortable. And so I will release you from standing when we read the word right now. But if you would like to stand and read the word, let's stand and read the word.
You stay right there with that baby, Tammy. Ah, Jesus. Jesus. Listen with your spirit today, guys. At that time, a certain Jew began an argument with John's disciples over ceremonial cleansing. John's disciples came to him and said, Teacher, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you said was the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going over there instead of coming here to us. Isn't that funny? John replied, God in heaven appoints each person's work. You yourselves know how plainly I told you that I am not the Messiah. I am here to prepare the way for him. That is all. I love that. Pay attention to that. The bride will go where the bridegroom is. A bridegroom's friend rejoices with him. I am the bridegroom's friend and I am filled with joy at his success. That is so good. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. I am of the earth, and my understanding is limited to the things of earth. But he has come from heaven. Pay attention, spirit. He tells what he has seen and heard. But how few believe what he tells them. Those who believe him discover that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God's spirit is upon him without measure or limit. Thank you, Father. The Father loves his Son. And he has given him authority over everything. And all who believe in God's Son have eternal life. Those who don't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but the wrath of God remains upon them. So, Father, we thank you and we press in. We press in. In your spirits, you can be seated. In your spirit, I want you to just lean forward a little bit. In your spirit, I want you to just open up and, and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work that we can't do in and of ourselves, okay? God, God wants to use you guys. God wants so much more for you than you want for you. Does that make sense? And the beauty of it is, is that because in the kingdom, less is more, he is calling us today to decrease. There's a divine decrease that God has in store for us. There's this thing, Katie, I'm so glad you're here. You were on my spirit, in my spirit yesterday and today. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, it's called elatao. Elatao is a, a form of, of decrease, divine decrease that comes at the hand of God. It's not something that you can do in and of yourself. It's something that God does in you. And the, it's only shared twice. Boy, you two are in trouble. Um, it's only used twice in Scripture which is amazing to me. Anytime anything is just used twice in Scripture, it makes you want to go, well, that, that it must be important. Well, this kind of decrease is only used twice in Scripture. And one of them is right here where he says, I must decrease, where John the Baptist says, I must decrease and you must increase. I must become less and less that he would become more and more. And 
The other time that it is used in Scripture actually happened to before this, but we don't hear about it until in Hebrews. In Hebrews, when it's talking about Jesus coming to earth, it talks about God made Christ a little lower than the angels. He made Christ a little lower than the angels when he sent him. And the inference, the picture that this uses, the reason I say that this was God's hand was because uh, as you break it down, it's like the, the, to make lower, to become less, to decrease. It's as if God uses this portion of his right arm, the portion from here to here, which is the strength in a man. That as far as strong muscles, there's a strong muscle. It is as if God engages his power, engages his strength in the act of taking all that Christ was, all that he was, bringing it into bodily form, bringing him to a place where he could come into earth and be positioned to do what God had called him to do. Only the power of God could do that. John, when John stood right here with the opportunity for people to go, hey, they're going to the other church. They're not coming to ours. He had this divine, this, this thing, this revelation in his spirit that allowed him to go, what is that to me, basically? Because God had positioned John in such a way that John had embraced decrease. He was okay with being less as long as his less made God more. Understand? Now, here's the beauty of it. This form of decrease, because it's so popular, this form of decrease, I'll have to remember to come over here and talk to you guys. Hey! <laughs> um, this form of decrease affects three areas of our life. And they're not areas that we give up easily. And so when you see the enemy coming at you in these areas or bringing temptation or reminding you in these three areas, you can know that God wants to do something in your life. God, because see, the enemy doesn't attack where there is no threat. And so if he's coming at you in these areas, know that God is wanting to endue you with power in those areas. And it was interesting to me because as I sat in my office, I thought, oh God, I have faced all three of these at different seasons in my life. But God is so, I mean, God makes things so clear if we just pay attention. The first area, this elatao, that only God can bring decrease in is in popularity, in authority, and in dignity. Popularity, authority and dignity and uh, it was just interesting to me because this form of popularity it doesn't mean you have to be the most beloved person in your school it means that you want to be embraced supported included by a large group who doesn't want to be embraced and supported and included by a large group unfortunately the temptation becomes the group that we shouldn't be a part of and somehow this flesh always wants to go in that direction. And so as a teenager, I would battle that. I, I got saved like every Sunday night. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I would go to church and we would have this experience with God. And I'm like, God, I am all yours. God, anything you ask me to do, I will do. And then I would walk into school on Monday morning and they go, hey, we're having a party Friday night. You want to come? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Or the guy that I liked would come and he would ask me out. And all of a sudden it would become God who? 
because he would fade to the background because I wanted to be in that group and I wanted to do what they were doing because it looked like it was fun and that was the group that was the most popular and that guy was the most popular and God would take a back seat every single time. My temptation in my teen years was to forget God whenever there was something better offered. And I wanted to be accepted. So I became the clone. I did what they did. And you know what? In retrospect, I'm going, man, I had all of these kids at church who would have accepted me, who would have admired me, who would have embraced me, who would have supported me and included me. But man, it's like I was blind to that because church kids don't count. Oh, baby, that's wrong. They do count. They'll be here for you when nobody else will. They'll stand by you when the rest of them run. Popularity. And about the time I reached the point where I didn't care if I was popular anymore I, and didn't want to be a clone anymore, all of a sudden I hit this issue with authority. I know none of you have ever faced it. And see, we seem to enter into that issue with authority about the time we decide our parents have no sense. And all of a sudden, we become the authority in our own life. We get to make our own decisions. We get to go where we want to go. And all of a sudden, our flesh becomes our God. Because we're not mastered by God. Whoever's making your decisions, whoever's leading you, whatever you're obeying, whatever you're bowing to, understand that's who you're serving. Come on, Wayne, got to serve somebody. (laughs) Because you are. And so I hit this point, this brief time between the ages of 16 and 47, (laughs) where I dealt with authority issues and people would try and bring correction into my life, even loving correction into my life. And I'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. And I couldn't settle that authority. And as long as you cannot settle the authority in your issue in your life, you will be your authority. And how much do you really trust you? Knowing where you've been and what you've done, do you really trust your decisions? (laughs) You need a God. I mean, you need a big God. The thing about this, this, this season in your life where you're not settling the issues of authority, where you have no boss other than you, you're not a very good boss, but you have no authority other than you, you do stupid stuff. You do stupid stuff that is so against the nature of who you are. And you go to bed at night and you cry and you go, God, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. God, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. You, you, you cry and you say you're sorry. And then, God, I, I, I'm so sorry. And then you get up and you repeat the pattern the next day. But see, there's not repentance in I'm sorry. There's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. There's a worldly sorrow that leads to death. You can be sorry all day long and still die in your sin. I'm so sorry. Sorry you got caught. Sorry that you feel like you do this morning because of what you did last night. What are you really sorry about? Are you sorry that you violated the nature of God on the inside of you? The divine calling. Are you sorry that you lost your testimony? Are you sorry that that name and reputation that God had built all of this time is now gone? 
What are you sorry for? See, repentance causes us to not do it the next day. True repentance means you, you walk, you're walking in this direction and repentance, you turn and you go the opposite direction. So all of those years, I thought I was repenting. I wasn't repenting. I was just hoping I didn't die overnight and go to hell. And so I could start it all over, get those fresh mercies the next day and start all over with my foolishness because I had not established the issue of authority in my life. That has to be established. And the third thing, lest us older people think we're getting by with anything, next comes dignity. I mean, this form of dignity is the kind that makes you want to appear to others to be serious and self-controlled. And this form of dignity can just suck the passion right out of your life. This form of dignity allows us to sit on back rows and judge people who dance. This kind of dignity allows us to go, well, I would never do that. Well, you know, if you had never stopped doing that, you might still be able to do that. I feel better. What about you? I mean, seriously. Do you ever think sometimes when you're, you're sitting and your knees are hurting and your ankles are, you know, if I never stop dancing? Oh. Do you ever think? But see, God is making all things new. You get an opportunity today to set those things aside and go, it doesn't matter. God, I don't need to be popular. God, you are going to be my ultimate authority. Father, and I am not worried about what anybody else thinks. And see, because John reached that place, how did he get there? How did he get to that place where he could go, let him go? Let them go. This is, what I've, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. This is my assignment and my appointment. How did he get there? He had a revelation from God. And his revelation of God was bigger than his revelation of himself. What did he get? What was the revelation that he had? Can I get you to pull those scriptures back up? The, the whole passage of scripture, if I'm looking at nobody. It's okay. Pay no attention to Jill running toward the loft. <laughs> the scripture says that he had a revelation of God. He begins to share. He says, God is from above. He is from above and I am not. <laughs> that ought to settle a lot. He is from above and I am not. He had settled the issue of deity in his life. He had claimed a God. He had settled that God was God, that he was bigger than him. He was stronger than him. He was smarter than him. He knew more. He had settled that. And I just want to ask you, I'm talking to you guys too. I just want to ask you, have you settled the issue of God being God? Is God a name in your life? Is God a title in your life? Or is God a position in your life? Do you call him that or is he that? Is he God in your life? Is he sovereign? Is he from heaven? Is he divine? Is he deity? And if he is, why aren't you following him? If he is all of that, if he is from heaven, he is divine, and he is all of that, he is God and he is sovereign, why would you not 
follow him for all you're worth. Why would you not grab hold of that? That was John's revelation when they said they're doing this. He went, whatever, whatever. He's from above. I'm not. It is God who gives man his assignment. It is God. So he had settled deity. He had settled that point in his life. The second thing that he had settled was that it was true. The scripture tells us that he said the words that he speak are from God. Uh, the words that he speaks come from God. They're true. If you, and it goes on to say in the Amplified, it talks about if you will listen to him, you'll know the truth. If you will listen to his words, he will lead you to the truth. Everything in your life is that those words, you've got you to settle that his words are your truth. Not his truth, your truth. His words have to become your truth. He has to be God. You have to know that what he says is true, and if you will obey it, he will do what he said he will do. Just like Justin said, Get, grab that hand and go for it. Grab that hand, that deity. The next thing we see is that it says God's spirit rests on him without measure and without limit. Do you know that God is the ultimate power in your life? Do you really think for a moment that you are in control? Do you really think your family is healthy because you helped them be so? Do you really think you have that job because you were that good? He has the power. He has the power. He has the strength to step in, to move into any area of your life. If you can grab that, guys, you don't have to worry about all these things that you're trying to control all the time, all of the pieces that you're trying to make fit and bring together. God has the power in your life. Give it to him. The next thing you find is it says, the father loves the son and he has given him all authority. All authority. Talk about settling the issue in your life. If God has ultimate authority in your life, you can rest. You can rest and you can wait on him and you can trust him to bring revelation into your life that will settle these things. Stop fighting against yourself. Stop battling yourself. Settle the fact that he is God. His words are true. He has all the power, all of the authority in your life. What a blessing. And the final thing, that the revelation that John the Baptist had, was he is the door to life. He is your God from now to eternity. He is in control now and always. He is God now and always. Can you say that with me? He is God now and always. You want to make this journey with him? You want to go where he's leading you? Grab hold of that. Understand his godness. Embrace it. Don't call him that. Bow to that. Don't just call him God. Let him be God. Let him be sovereign. Let him have the power and the authority and let him bring light and life into your life. There's such peace there, guys, seriously. Then it's not about what the pastor lets you do or what they invite you to do or whether you can go here or whether you can do that. It is just settled deep in your spirit and you can stop the striving. The beautiful thing about this is that when John got this revelation, let me tell you what happened. See, when we get to the point where our revelation of God is big enough to prompt our obedience to God, everything changes. 
When we believe him, there's a, there's a word, oh, I can't think of it, but it's used right in the very last portion of this scripture where it talks about those that don't obey God experience the wrath of God. There are other translations that use the word faith that don't believe, and, and it, it means both. It means to be persuaded to the point that you do what you say, you believe. And see, he reached that point. And when he did, this is what happened, and this is what I want to really get to you guys, is that when you get that revelation of God that he is bigger and he is stronger and he is mightier and he is in control, something wonderful happens. Then you are free to embrace your appointment. You are free to embrace your appointment. See, the scripture tells us when they came at him and they said, you know, these people are going over here and being baptized, he went... Listen, it is God who gives man his appointment. It is God who gives man his appointment. And then I love the next thing that he said. He says, I am not the Messiah. What great peace to know that you're not the Messiah. See, <laughs> it's a relief to all of us, really. But to know that you're not the Messiah, you're not responsible for the outcome. You plant the seed, he gives the increase. You're not responsible for what you don't see take place after. You're just responsible for doing what God tells you to do now. Now. So you can embrace your appointment. What a wonderful thing. And the second thing, when you have embraced that appointment, when, when it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be what everybody said, or oh, you're going to be this, or you're going to be that, or your mom said, no, you're going to be this. And, and so you grow up bucking against it. Well, it might be that, or it might not be that. But you go into God with a preconceived notion or how, of how you're going to serve and what you're going to do, and you're so laser pinpoint uh, focused on that thing that everybody else has said, you can't hear the whispers of God to the right and the left going, turn here, turn here, do this, serve here, help them. You know, you can't hear it because you're so sure it's going to be this. And when this doesn't happen, well, you blame a lot of people for one thing, and then you wonder, you question your relationship with God. What if you could get to the point where you knew God was big enough that no matter what the appointment was, you could hear him and you could know and you could rest. Because see, the second thing, once you embrace your appointment, he will clarify your assignment. He will clarify your assignment. The second thing that we hear John say right here, he says, I'm not the Messiah. And then he goes on to say, he said, I am here to prepare the way. And that is all. I am here to prepare the way and that is all. Wouldn't you like to have a that is all? Wouldn't you like to come to the point and the place in your walk with Christ that you knew so well what he had called you to do that you could go, oh no, I'm not that, I'm this. I, and I'm okay with not being that. I'm good with that. I always thought I would be that. I wanted to be that because that's the cool one. But how wonderful this is. How wonderful it is to be this and to know that I am this and that God has designed me thusly and that is all. How wonderful. How wonderful. See, I don't think Pastor Ronnie knows when he gives these assignments, he comes across the hallway and he's so nonchalant, your pastor hears from God. Much to our chagrin. 
He just does. And, and he has this way, you all know him, he has this way of delivering a message and, 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 and he just walks across the hallway and he says, Barbie, um, you've been carrying, I must decrease in your spirit, so why don't you just teach on that? And on the inside I'm going, or on the outside I'm like, okay, awesome. <laughs> and on the inside I'm going, oh, you know, he has this wonderful gift of walking across the hallway, grabbing one little stone and stepping away and leaving before the avalanche starts. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, lovely. Because he said, you're carrying this in your spirit, but I wasn't carrying it in my spirit. I was wrestling with it all the time. For a year, almost a year to the date. I love how God does that. Almost a year to the date. That word had been spoken. And I had been fighting with God all this time. But we'll get to that in a minute. See, God wants to upset some things in your life so that you think a little bit differently, so that you look at things a little bit differently, that you can step in and you can receive that appointment that he has for you. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, there is nothing too small, nothing too great, nothing beneath you, nothing above you when it comes in assignment. God can take you anywhere and use you mightily. And he can not only assign these things to you, give you an appointment, he can give you your assignment within the appointment. Do this. Now, if you'll just speak this word, if you'll say this thing, that, that God would release you in that. God has, I mean, he lays it all out for you. You don't have to worry about it so much. Once you settle who he is, you can just come under it. There's a scripture that says he opens his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living creature. And it's the picture that is painted in it. It's like water running through his fingers over his people. Do you know you can come into that place with him? that he can open his hand over you. See, and once you receive your assignment, you know what the beautiful thing is? No matter what the appointment is, no matter what the assignment is that he gives you, just like with John, you can now rejoice. You can rejoice in your position. Not in their position. Not in what they get to do. He says this. I love the way that this passage of Scripture reads. It says, The bride goes with the bridegroom. The groomsman, the friend of the groom, gets to listen to the words of the bridegroom. And he gets to rejoice at the success of the bridegroom. And then he says, I am a friend of the bridegroom. I am a friend of the bridegroom. Gives a whole new perspective when you stand up next to somebody when they're getting married, doesn't it? Just to rejoice for them and with them. Our job, no matter what that task might be, our job is to re rejoice in him for all to know that this is about the bridegroom. This is not about me. I can rest and know that this is God's calling. He's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. I just get to rejoice in this thing that he's allowing me to do. No matter what it is. Man, you ought to have joy in what you're doing for him, in him, with him. Joy to be who God created you to be. Not who God created her to be. Not God who God created him to be. Who God created you to be. 
You have a purpose. You have something that God has for you. And the final thing that we find is that that is when he reaches the point, he says, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just here to prepare the way for him. I'm going to rejoice. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And then he says, oh, and I must decrease. I must become less and less that he can become greater and greater. Everything in our life ought to be keyed on that place of going, I want to be, I, make him famous. Make him famous. Forget my name. I love Beth Moore used to say, she would teach and she would say, I'm so glad, God, you have given me a plain name because I don't want them to remember it. I want them to remember you when they leave this place to be able to go, I must decrease that he would increase. If I can have the musicians a moment. And see, that takes us to the, the, the last portion of the story. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you have a design and a plan. See, I had wrestled with this thing, this I must decrease. Pastor Ronnie didn't know. He had no idea what a mess that had made in my life, literally since February of 2013. And I know, guys, that I share with you more about my mom right now, but, you know, it's been almost a year since she passed and I'm still learning from her I'm still gleaning from her and so when Pastor Ronnie walked across the hallway and he said this is in your spirit so why don't you just teach that and I pitched an internal fit but I didn't show it um, in February of last year I went to my mom's church to teach and before the teaching we had this we have this dance that we do as preacher's kids. Um, you know, she's been doing it with me since I was a kid. And me and my sister, she'd go, now you girls are going to go up here and sing. You're going to go over here and you're going to sing at this church. You're gonna, and you like, oh, you had no choice. I know none of you, sorry, poor Katie's going, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, well, you're going to sing, right? And, and so we're at her house and I'm like, no, mama, I really don't. I, I really don't think so. Not this time. And, uh, Mama being mama, when we got to the church, she walks up, when she's up on the platform, and she's like, now, Barbie's going to come minister to us. But before she does, she's going to sing us a couple of songs. <laughs> and so I did what I did with Ronnie. I went, okay, sure. And on the inside, I'm like, ah! And so as I'm walking over to the piano, she stops on the platform and she, I mean, she just stops where she is and she turns and she looks at me and she says, I must decrease. I must decrease. And I got aggravated. I did. Because in, in my mind, I'm thinking, and this, this was my thought process. I thought, you're not John the Baptist and I'm not Jesus. Why would you say that? I know, and it's like I started to wrestle with this thing in my spirit because I know her well enough to know that she knows the Word of God. She doesn't, she was never one to take scriptures and make them fit somewhere. She kept it in context. She brought the Word of God as the Word of God was, the truth of the Word. So for her to say that to me and then pass before I had a chance to discuss that with her, 
that just stayed with me. And I was like, why did she say that? Why did she say that? And I would lay on my bed at night and I would go, God, I don't understand that because that's not like her. And so when she passed, I thought, I don't have an opportunity to answer this question with her. And so as I'm sitting in my office and I'm studying this out, I was sitting there and I, and I got to the point where I, of what I just shared with you, where he said, he began to lay out what you can do when you have a revelation of God. And all of a sudden, sitting there in my office, I knew what she meant. I knew when she said that, it just, it, it, it's as if the Lord just went, this is that. This is that. When she turned and she looked at me and she said, I must decrease. She was saying, without knowing she was saying it, she was saying, I have embraced my appointment. God clarified my assignment for me. I have rejoiced in every single thing he has given me to do. I have rejoiced in everything he has given me to do. And now I have satisfied my season. And I can say with everything on the inside of me, I must decrease. He must become greater. And see, that's where we need to be, not at the end of our life, but always to go, God, I want to accept my assignment. I want to, to do, I want to rejoice in everything that you have for me to do. I want to satisfy my season. And in everything I do, I want the cry of my heart to be, God, let me, let me just disappear that you would shine, that you would shine. Can you stand with me? So my hope, guys, what I want to plant in you today is a prayer, a decision to go, God, you are God. Can you say that with me? God, you are God. You are God. God, you are truth. You are the power in my life. You are my authority. And you alone have the words of life. That's who he is. That's who he is. And because he's who he is, you can become who you are in him. Amen? Amen. So I don't, I don't know if we need prayer warriors. We might. We're getting ready to sing a song called Waiting Here for You. And my heart would be that you would just, if you are one of those people, one who sat here or one who wasn't able to come down, but the cry of your heart is, thank you, Vicki, sweetheart. That, or the cry of your heart is, God, I want to go there with you. Then, then lift your hand. You can fill up the altar if you want to. You can stay where you are. But we're going to tell him we're waiting here for you. And then we are going to lean in and we are going to expect him to breathe over us. That anointing, that revelation, that truth that we can step in and we can receive. Amen. Amen. Prayer warriors, if you come. Jesus, I'm not coming on my feet. Jesus, I'll let you come. Thank you.
We bless you, Lord. Can you just love him just one second? We bless you, God. We exalt you, Father. You are holy. You are worthy. There is none like you. You are God and you are sovereign. There is no one matchless, Father. None to compare with you, Father. You have all power. You have all authority. You are great. You are mighty, Father. All authority rests in you, God. And we come under your hands. We come into your presence. We lay ourselves at your feet. And we call you holy. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. In you we rest. In you we rest. Father. Jesus. Holy, holy, Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May He be God. May He be truth. May He have all power, have all authority, and may you submit to the words of life. In Jesus' name. And they said, Amen. God bless you. Go in His anointing to love and serve Him.